Ah, it's good to see you. Thank you for being here. For some of you taking the risk of being here, we appreciate that very much. And I can't calm your fears. Uh, I can offer you sandwiches, but we're going to tackle one of the craziest stories in the Bible today that explains a lot. But if it all goes off the rails, we have two options. They can be celebration sandwiches or the let's just forget that ever happened sandwiches. But either way, there are sandwiches. But first, we'll get prayed up, and then we have a, a graduate we want to celebrate. And then uh, it is Memorial Day. We want to acknowledge that, and we'll get into it. Let's get prayed up. Heavenly Father, as we go through this world, there is, uh, well, frankly, a lot where we are concerned that you're not paying attention. There's more than a few of us in this room who wonder if you even exist because we look at the circumstances of life and it doesn't make sense to us in our rational, reasonable mind that this is what would happen. But Lord, you have told us that you are at work and you do a challenging thing that you ask us to do and that is to work with the life circumstances we are given, to work with it with hope and trust that you are here, that you are at work and that we are not alone. It's with that spirit that we gather together this morning. Lord, frankly, we need each other more than we would like to admit. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Everybody said, amen. All right, let's start with Kylie. Uh, Kylie, Ms. Ms. Kylie, come on up, please. She, uh, James was just up here. This is Mrs. James. So Kylie started um, this program, Architectural Engineering, and, and life was good. Now, three kids later, life is even better. But in her final year, she had a baby. And so the rest of us said, so you're going to take time off. And Kylie said, no. Time off is for losers and quitters. <laughs> so she uh, persevered, and uh, the official degree is called? Uh, Bachelor's of Science in Architectural Engineering. That's good. So is that a BS degree? Is that, what, is that what that is, right? Bachelor of Science, that's good. And you could now go get a, a very lucrative position, but James is loaded, so you get to just be a mom for a little while until they get a little taller than this. Yes. That's good. And ultimately, the reason why you chose this profession is? I really enjoy design, and I chose an emphasis in construction management, and I really enjoyed it. Because you can actually get a job in construction management. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. I have a lot of respect because we were in Midtown for a lot of years. Some of you remember, so the church started in 1950. We don't have any originals anymore, but we have, uh, we have, we have at least one from the 60s. And, and about 10 years ago, we came up here, and so we bought the building, and then we had to do some design changes. And wow, you people do not have a job I want. So I'm very thankful for people like Kylie, and I'm very thankful that, frankly, we're never moving again. <laughs> so uh, as, you, as you finish up, as you have now finished up, um, family, what did family say to you? Like Michael or James or... Well, I don't know, mom, dad, you know. They were very proud of me, and James too, and I'm very thankful to all of them, especially him. 
So James is mostly excited you're finished because... He gets his wife back. Right. That's good. That's great. All right. So uh, we're going to pray for Kylie and be very thankful. We're going to give her a C.S. Lewis daily devotional that, that I love, but we won't make her cart it around. We'll just hand it to her quietly. You know, get a big hardcover book and you got kids. What are you going to do? You're going to leave it at church. So we will uh, make sure somebody delivers that. But let's get prayed up. Heavenly Father, we are very thankful for the fact that you give us amazing brains, some people like Kylie more than others, and that she has persevered, she's, she's made this milestone, and we are very excited to see how the world is a better place as a result. Thank you for your love, for your compassion, and for Kylie's hard work. It's in, in your name, Lord. Amen. Thank you. All right, everybody give her a round of applause. Deep down, she hates us a little bit for making her come up here, so uh, that's, that's really good. So Memorial Day, let's start there. You know what? We're on a roll. Let's have more people hate us just a little bit. If you have if Memorial Day used to be Decoration Day. Memorial Day is for those who served in the military and didn't get to come home. Veterans Day is for all of those who served. And now we've added First Responders Day, which is a, a great remembrance. So if you fit any of those categories, you can't fit the first one. But if you've had someone in your family, someone you know that's dear to you that, that went to serve and didn't come back, we'll qualify. We would like you to come up. We would like the Memorial Day, the Veterans Day, and the First Responders to all come up. And just watch how they, just the look on their faces of despicableness. But would you guys come up? Eli, you're a first responder. Do I got to call you by name? Right? Pat, the bass player, was in the Navy. John, the usual drummer, right? Come on up, Alberta. John, the usual drummer, who's camping. John was in the Air Force. I got to call the rest of you out by name. All right, help them up. All right, all right. And um, here's the thing. Most of our veterans are capable people, so they can go things like camping. And uh, I'm telling you, this isn't a real big look around. It's not an agricultural crowd, right? We're, uh, we're better with spreadsheets as a rule in this church. So, uh, so I'm very thankful. So Tamara's a nurse. Eli is, what do you do, Eli? I'm a detective. I say that. Looking at some of you people, right? Uh, where's Mike the piano player? Spent 30 years in, as a federal agent. Like he's shy, for crying out loud. He's going to make snarky remarks. John, you were in the? Air Force. Alberta. Oh, let's go to here. You were in the? U.S. Navy. And Miss Alberta? Eight years as an EMT at a rural ambulance. Right. Very nice. One of, one of my favorite people, Alberta. That is great. All right. And Mike, what, he's out drinking already? Where'd Mike go? I don't know. Oh, very good. And you, my dear friend, I didn't even smell the gin. All right. So you spent 30 years doing? It's vodka and um, <laughs> a special agent uh, with the federal government and a police officer. So it's been, uh, what, a year since you retired? Two years. Two years. Two years. And what are you doing for fun now? Uh, playing the piano here poorly, and uh, I host a podcast, and I'm on a YouTube channel. How many subscribers to this YouTube channel? Three million. It's wow. pretty good. He doesn't invite him to church, obviously. All right. So thank you. Thank you, all of you, for being willing to come up. And, John, help Alberta back down, would you? We don't want to lose her on the stairs and put Eli and Tamara to work already. So... 
back when it was decoration day. So my dad was born in 1919. So I don't know. I think I maybe need to start coloring my hair. I'm 55, and, uh, and a lot of people. My oldest kid is 14 years old, and I have a 7-year-old and a 10-year-old, and there's a lot of people lately who just asked me about my grandkids. So I was at the, at the school. This week was the big finish to school, and uh, one of my wife's dear friends, her mom, who's an actual grandma, who we all love, so I was telling her the story. Another one called me grandpa, and very tenderly, she put her hand on my arm, and she said, Ted, it's not your face, it's your hair. <laughs> and she said it in such a kind way that it was just her expecting me to do something about that. So uh, I don't know, maybe uh, back in the 70s, they advertised Grecian formula, I'm just thankful I have hair. So I haven't really put any thought into coloring it or what color it is. So I'm just thankful it's up there. But I don't know if, uh, if you see me looking suspiciously younger in the future. It's because I'm going Grecian formula or whatever is out there. I don't actually know what's out there. But, but when you have an older dad, I'm the youngest of six, and when you have an older dad, and he was in World War II, my mom's dad was in World War I in the trenches. My dad would tell the war stories... So he'd come in and read us the Bible story. Then my brother, who was a good kid, would fall asleep. And then I would still be wide awake. And so then my dad would start telling family stories and the war stories. And the stories always from the war went right until the bomb started dropping or the bullets started to fly. And then he would change the subject or just turn on the Yankees and walk out. My grandfather, I never got him to tell war stories because he was actually in the trenches. And where I grew up, I don't know about you, we don't do... I don't know that we do Memorial Day parades really big around here. Nobody's from Tucson. I don't know what we rally around. But where I grew up, we would do the, uh, the memorial, uh, our neighborhood would do a big Memorial Day parade. And the old World War I vets, somebody would have a really cool old convertible. And so they would line up the old convertibles and they'd put the World War II vets in the back seat. And they would wave and we would cheer. And they would think about all their friends who didn't get to come home. And then we'd go out to the cemetery, the family cemetery, and it was, uh, it was, it was out, of the, out of the city on this little hill, and there'd be the family plots, and there were, there were veterans, that was an old cemetery, went back to pre-Civil War. And my mom and dad and my aunts and uncles would tell the stories of the people, there's your grandfather's grave, and tell the stories, and, and it was... Very interesting, as a little kid to be walking through there, my mom and dad had their gravestone, and my aunt and uncle had their gravestone. Neither one are there. By the time they died, they'd given those up because kids in the family had died, and the family wanted those plots. So they, they handed over their plots, and the gravestone changed, and my dad and uncle and, and my mom and, and my dad's brother married my mom's sister. It's all legal. It's all above board, but... We had double cousins, so my dad's younger brother married my mom's younger sister after World War II. Those dances were profound. Be careful when you go to a dance. And so they're in a military cemetery back in New York, and good for them. But it was called Decoration Day because we wanted to remember that those who had gone and fought and didn't get to come back because we have incredible freedom. I know we complain about it, and it could always be better which is why we're going to try this whole giants thing in a few minutes. Our best attempts at life always fall short. You notice this with sin, the whole concept of sin. is like, well, I'm pretty good. I'm much better than those people over there. But you start out the day with a plan. 
we don't even, C.S. Lewis, we're going to give the devotional for, he said, we don't even, we don't even live up to our own standards, say nothing about God's standards. Well, it's the same in society. We have our goals, but if we're going to try to do this without God, it's never going to be the best it could be. And so they end up with war, trying to defend our freedom. Yesterday, the 7- and 10-year-old and I had to make an emergency run to the grocery store so we could have pancakes. And there was a Memorial Day veterans display out in front of the grocery store. And the old folks smiled. They were talking to people. So I was telling them war stories about their family because it's important for little kids to hear the family stories to know that, that they came from something. Some things to live up to and some things to overcome. Can I get an amen? Some things you want to be as good as. Some things you need to be better than. Or this isn't going to go well at all. So we, we just briefly talked with the old folks, the Memorial Day people. And they were just delightful that kids were there and listening. Because the whole reason, surprisingly, young people go off to fight. Is so that we can have the freedom to choose so I can talk about this crazy giant story in the Bible and we can have Sandwich Sunday and you can make your choices. That's why we have to have the conflict. We're wrapping up the plot series today. We've been talking about it in May and it comes from back when our middle child was six and we were watching Disney movies. She said, I not like plot. You know, now that I mentioned, she was probably, probably four. I not like plot. You know what? Amen, sister. I agree. We would uh, meet the characters, and then, because it's Disney, mom would die, and then there would be the overcoming, and then the happy ending. And so she would request that we meet the characters, and just before mom died, we need to fast forward to the end for the celebration, the happy ending. And that's what the Bible promises. We've met met ourselves pretty good, and there's a great finish. But we spend all of our life in the battlefield of good and evil, which takes us to this crazy story. Hold the hand of the person next to you, even if you don't know him, because this is going to get weird. So Moses wrote this down for us. Moses wrote this down for us. And Moses spent most of his life battling the Egyptian empire, world superpower of the Egyptians. They were not on God's side. They were trying to do it their own way. They did some great things. What's the old joke? The Egyptians tried to take it with them, and all they got was robbed, right? They tried to do great things, tried to build the pyramids. They tried to put King Tut and the rest away with a lot of gold to take them into the afterlife. And, well, you got to do things God's way. One of the great stories of the Bible, the ten plagues. Everything Egypt thought they were great at, God said, you're not that great. We go back a book to the first one in Genesis. This was compiled by... uh, by uh, Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel, while they were in Babylon, another world superpower, and God's people had faded. God said, you want to be on your own? Be on your own. Egypt took over. Well, now they've built back up, and now it's a long time later, and once again, God's people have faded. They want to do it their own way. And God says, hey, you want to be on your own? Let me introduce you to the Babylonians. Came in and just wiped them out. Took away the good ones. And so now Babylon is running the show, trying to do things their own way without, without God. And Daniel compiles the Old Testament. Daniel and his friends, it's not every word of the Old Testament, but the, 
the essence of what we as Jesus followers, they weren't even Jesus followers yet, what we as God's people need to know, what we need to remember. And one of the stories he includes is this crazy one from Genesis 6. If we will follow the, our Creator, it runs not only through this battlefield of, through, of good and evil, and we need each other. You can go through a lot if you don't go through it alone. Can I get an amen? We need each other. We need to remember that the God of the universe is always at work. You've got some crazy stuff going on. If, if, if twice a day you don't do this, whew, I, don't, I don't think you're paying attention. You've got some crazy stuff going on. What I can promise you is if Jesus said, abide in me, right? Agricultural reference, branches, vine. You can't, you can't rip off a leaf and have it, have it thrive. You've got to stay attached. Whatever you do, don't let go. Wrestle with God, but don't let go of God. Jesus said, abide in me, and we'll get through this together. Jesus did not have what you would call an easy life, really at any point. He didn't even have flush toilets, for crying out loud. At no point. He didn't even have fast internet, right? Can I get an amen? Didn't have cars, nothing. And then the whole cross thing, pretty miserable. Some of you have trouble at work. Man, Jesus had trouble at work, right? He had to go through all of that because God's approach wasn't to get rid of evil yet. While we're alive, evil thrives. If you have any question, you don't have a question about that. I don't have to convince you. Evil thrives while we're here. Our entire lifetime is on the battlefield between good and evil. We know good wins, but the battle isn't over yet. That's where we spend our entire life. We need to abide because we don't want to go through this alone. So you've got some big stuff. Get prayed up. Ask wise people smart questions. But you've got some big stuff. Don't even attempt to go through this life alone. Don't ever let go of God. And now we've got a little explanation that Moses wrote down for us. One of the many in the Bible. This crazy story, Genesis 6. It requires a special day. David sitting back there, the smug guy in white hair. He doesn't use Grecian formula. Why do I have to? David's actually a grandfather. About 10 minutes older than I am. His kids are already producing. David and all of my minister friends have recommended, don't, don't do this. Don't, don't preach on Genesis 6. Just... Keep your thoughts to yourself. So David back there being pretty smug, who's going to go with a very safe lesson on the book of Mark later. Let's do it. When the human race began to increase, right? God said after the Garden of Eden, after they picked the fruit, God said you can enjoy anything here. Enjoy anything here except for one thing. Well, what do we do as humans? Really? What's that? Why is that one thing off? All of this we walk away from. All of the good for the one. So they tried the fruit. Then Adam blamed Eve. Well, it's the woman. It blamed God and Eve in one sentence. I am actually pretty proud of Adam on that. Adam said, well, it's the woman, God, you gave me that caused me to sin. Huh? Bam, bam, not me. That is brilliant. It didn't work, but that is brilliant. So they picked the fruit, ate it, got kicked out of the garden, and God said, so my, my perfection for you isn't going to work because you have choice. In heaven, you've already made your choice. We're done. We've got Jesus. We're not going to have the choice of evil anymore. But here, you've got to make your choice. Which side of the battle are you going to choose? 
And so God said, so my, my perfect Eden is going to be done, and we're going to go out into the big world together where you have to choose on a daily basis, good or evil. But we're not going to go alone. I'm going with you, and we've got work to do. Be fruitful and multiply. When the human race began to do that, with more and more daughters being born, the sons of God, notice that capital G. This is where it gets fascinating. Revelation chapter 12. This is the first book of the Bible, the very last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12 says there's a big battle in heaven. Satan wanted God's job, basically. So there's a battle in heaven. Even in heaven in the olden days, there wasn't peace. There will be when we get there, but there wasn't. And a third of the stars, the angels, get kicked down to earth. They get kicked out of heaven. So the rebellion and they got kicked out. You know where they went? Earth. Ah. So the genuine evil you're dealing with in your life, don't dismiss it. There's genuine evil. We can participate in it a little too easily on occasion. But there's genuine evil in the world. Don't take it lightly. Don't have to be too afraid to get out of bed. Jesus is bigger than. But there's genuine evil in this world. The reason why you've got grief, it's real. The sons of God, the angels, noticed that the daughters of men were beautiful. They looked them over and picked them, just like Adam and Eve were the fruit. The thing about when you pick, it's not mutual. Relationships work when it's mutual. You can't force and have it work out. They picked out wives for themselves. Not mutual, not good. The heroes of old, some of the translations, this is the message, a very down-to-earth translation. Some of the other translations say the heroes of old. Now, Zeus doesn't travel. We don't, we're not still that excited about Zeus. We're aware of it. When I toured the Vatican 25 years ago, all of the, the Zeus and Hermes, and have you ever been to the basement of the Vatican? It's, uh, it's like they're doing a victory tour. All of the old Roman and Greek gods are lined up in a hallway. They're all down there getting dusted. The big bronze and I don't know what they were, whatever, white marble. All these statues, and they're there. They got a little name tag. Hi, my name is Hermes. They're there. They're in the basement of the Vatican. What are we? we we're just showing we won? That, these things got destroyed. They're all down there. They're all lined up. The old gods, little g. Because in the old days... They thought those heroes of old were something to aspire to. And we still do this a little bit. Our false gods today aren't Zeus. Our false gods today are, are pleasure and money and power. Frankly, all good things. Until you make them, you try to make them be above God and then they become disasters. You, money's not a bad thing at all. Please, Make some money. God has given you gifts and opportunities to help people, to serve people, to solve their problems. Please, make money. We're supposed to take care of ourselves, our family. We're supposed to tithe. We're supposed to participate in the world. Money's good. Until you try to make it above God. Then it's a problem. Same with power. Same with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. God created pleasure. He invented the weekend. But we can then elevate pleasure to the point where we don't want to do the work of life. 
It's not the frosting on the cake. We try to make the whole cake, and then it all falls apart. Anytime in life, in the Bible, we see the elevation of we don't need God, we can do this ourselves, it all falls apart. Then God said, verse 3, I'm not going to breathe life into men and women endlessly. Eventually, they're going to die. I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and it was two very non-Christian people, just historians. I think they'd both consider themselves atheists. And they were talking about medical advances. So when will humans get to live more than 120 years? On occasion, you get someone to be 121, maybe 123. And the, and the biblical discussion is when God says this, does he mean we're, gonna, we're all going to die about age 120 at most? Or did the flood come in 120 years? Because both seem to apply. But they were talking about these two atheists on the podcast with medical advancements can people live to be 200. And then one of them said, I don't know that I want to. Because if we're talking about the lifespan, what we really want is the health span. If you're really great until you're 80, 100, 120, and then you've just got dementia, do you want to live the next 80 years? You want to have a, not just a lifespan, but a health span. Huh. When God says, expect a lifespan of 120 years, seems to be where we still are. The Spirit of God does not dwell with an individual on earth forever. This life is difficult. We're supposed to live it well. But Steve Jobs, in his Stanford speech, said, death is a gift. It really focuses us on our time here. And Satan, evil, their best weapon is death. And so what did Jesus do? Live the life, face death, died, and then overcame death, showing that is not the end. The best way to handle a bully to stand up to them and to show that their best weapon you can neutralize. That's what Jesus did with evil and death. God, living forever without God, is miserable. And trying to come up with a little God that replaces God just simply doesn't work. This becomes an unholy alliance. So as Daniel was writing this in Babylon, he was referring to the hero of old, Nimrod. That's not a, I don't think we even use that word anymore, but when I was a kid, we would say that as an insult. A bunch of little Jewish kids running around, insulting each other with Old Testament terms. You, Nimrod. It wasn't a, wasn't a positive thing. God's people in exile, Daniel wanted to make sure that the Old Testament was reminding them, this too shall pass. God was alive and well in the Old Testament, but they were brutally honest about how harsh life is and how much we need God. And so this leads to the flood. God said, that's it, I'm going to wipe it out. But you know what? If you're talking about heavenly beings and earthly beings combining, a flood doesn't reach to the heavens. just wipes out the earthly side. So Goliath was after this. Now, this isn't meant to just demonize all tall people. Can I get an amen? I mean, I'm shrinking every year, but... This isn't to demonize tall people. This is to acknowledge that evil is active in the world still. The last time the Nephilim are mentioned, I think, is in the second to last book of the Bible in Jude. It's, it's in there. Evil propagates. 
and we certainly see it in the headlines. This was, verse 4, this was back in the days, and then parenthetically, and also later. Didn't, the flood didn't get rid of it. When there were giants in the land, the giants came from the union of sons of God and the daughters of men. These were the mighty men of ancient lore, the famous ones. All right, so let's see if we can land this before the sandwiches. So some of you, you're not on, you're not on board with Jesus yet. I keep talking to you about it, and you're willing to be here, and I love you for it. But some of you are new to the Jesus thing, and you're sitting there thinking, I, in order to believe in Jesus, I've got I to believe in weird giants? And the answer isn't as clear-cut yes as you might think. Because you might be a literalist, you might be a figurative list, a figurativist. I'm committed that what the Bible says... I'm going to embrace it, and I'm going to wrestle with it. I'm not going to just dismiss the part I don't like. There's more than a few parts I don't care for. I'm going to commit to spend my earthly life wrestling through those. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do it yet. You can take all this as a bit figurative because you certainly are aware that evil is in the world. But the people in the Old Testament, the people of God, believed that the heroes of old were something to aspire to. And if they weren't on your side, they were genuinely terrifying. The thing about the first book of the Bible, Genesis, the account of the beginning of the universe, we want to wrestle it into, we have a lot of engineers sitting here, a lot of scientist types, medical professionals. We want to wrestle it into um, a scientific theory of how and when. And when was the universe created and when did the big bang happen and what was before the big bang and that's not what genesis is doing genesis addresses the question of who and the big question of why because if we we got a date tuesday march 5th 12 billion years ago bam it's when the universe started it doesn't explain why doesn't explain who genesis isn't trying to answer a scientific question, it's answering the how and when question. And that's what's being, or sorry, the who and why question, not the how and when question. Well, let me try that again. Not the how and when. That's the one that drives us. Genesis trying to help us understand who and why. It's not to be suspicious of tall people. It's to explain why you have trouble at work. Why relationships are so difficult. I love this person. I've committed my life to this person. They are a wonder. Why is this so difficult? That's what this portion is is explaining. The reason why there is plot in life is right here. And you can live your best life. You can do your very best to never make a mistake. And there are forces at work that are much bigger than you. So give it your best shot. I give it my best shot. If I do the next right thing over and over and over again, my life will turn out well. Mostly. Probably. It beats the alternative. But the guarantee isn't that our life will be good if we do the next right thing. Our promise, the promise to us is eternity will turn out great. But this, oh, there's going to be dicey here. That's why there's plots. So we're trying to reframe for a month the troubles you have, the challenges I have, as an adventure, a God-given adventure as a result of sin. 
And you and I can't fix sin. We can address it in our own life to the best of our ability. It's a constant struggle. But there's sin, big S, going on. There's a reason why we have veterans. There's a reason why some didn't come back. And there's a reason why we have first responders. We need Jesus. There are still evil forces at work right now picking us. Evil is real down here for as long as we are here. And the goal of today isn't to be terrified. The goal today is to be realistic. There's reason for hope. There's reason for optimism. But it's grounded in the creator of the universe showing up in sandals, living this life with us and saying, let me just show you, death is real, but it's not the end. The heroes of old were bigger and better versions of ourselves is what we thought. We still think those false gods. Love is great. But if I just had power, if I just had more money, if I just had, if I focused on pleasure, my life will be happier. One of my most successful friends right now spent yesterday on the news being interviewed in a good way. Everything he ever achieved, we talked about when we were younger, he's got it. And we were talking recently, he said, Ted, I got to have more fun. Well, he's not wrong. He's pretty intense. Some of you have met him. He's likable, extremely likable, but also very driven. And he does need to probably lighten up a little bit. But if, if you tip over into, I'm going to back off from my God-given plot and I just need to escape more, that's not going to go well. He knows that. A little bit of power. Money is appropriate. God invented money to grease the wheels of relationship. I have my gifts. You have your gifts. We all work together. I solve your problems. You solve my problems. We exchange the money. Money isn't a closed system. You can create more. Everybody can have more. We've seen it since the Industrial Revolution. Our understanding of money needs to be based in the fact that God created it on purpose. Money is a good thing. It's not meant to be the only thing. We need to have and cling to the Heavenly Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We need that eternal relationship we're invited into. When we attempt to take a good thing and make it the main thing, Above the Lord, it fails every time. But if we choose to embrace our role as a remnant right here, when Jesus was a baby, Herod was threatened. Herod's power was threatened by the fact that Daniel's wise men showed up. The Old Testament says, don't be an astrologer. Daniel gets to Babylon. They put him in charge of astrologers. Sound like a day at work for you? Uh, I don't think I'm supposed to do this. And Daniel said, okay, if we're going to do this, let me teach you what the stars are really telling you, that God created them. They're there for your enjoyment. Explore. Be amazed. And when the star showed up that said Jesus was born, the wise men from the east show up. And they say, where is he? And Herod's and the ministers of the day said, we don't know. So they went and found him on their own. 
They found Jesus when Herod was threatened by that. Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus fled to where? Egypt. Because there was still a remnant from the days of slavery of Moses. In this life, we often get to feel like a remnant at your job, in your house, in your neighborhood, a remnant. Hmm, a remnant. That's who we're called to be. Memorial Day, we're behind enemy lines. And this is the plot that we are living. For as long as we have life, we're on the battlefield of good and evil. Don't give up. Abide. There's trouble to overcome. We want to face the challenges with, with a confidence that we win. If, what would you try to accomplish if you knew you couldn't fail? Oh, there'd be some bumps along the way. But what would you accomplish if you knew you couldn't fail? The God of the universe wins. We're in the family of God. That's where we are. You're going to have some crazy things this week. I don't even know what they are. But don't get lost. As a child of God, we are never alone. We not only have the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, eternal relationship we're invited into, but we have each other. Let's get prayed up. Heavenly Father, would you bless our time over sandwiches? We all come from a different place. We're all going to a different place. We all have different sorrows, fears, and joys that we are working through at this moment. Would you meet us here in this place? Man, that's a crazy story. The what now? The who? But Lord, when we look around, we see evil at work. Maybe more than we'd like to admit, we participate. May we not fear that evil wins because we know it's not true. If there's somebody here today who doesn't know you, that ABC approach to the relationship, A is to admit that way too often we participate in the sin. B is to believe that Jesus is the one who overcomes the sin, the doubt, the fear, makes us worthy of the throne room of God. And C is to choose to live this life as the person you created us to be each and every day. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen.